You're listening to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe, together with Guinness. Right, Jack, great to have you in here in the middle of a hectic few months for yourself since everything's kind of ramping up ahead of the World Cup, but uh, you had a down day and a chance to kind of go off and kind of press some flesh and kind of promote some stuff as well today. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, firstly, it's nice to get out and about at the camp for a bit. And yeah, things are kind of coming to a crescendo at this stage and it's, it's come down to business time. But uh, now it's nice to take a more moment off, uh, morning off and talk about a uh, sports fest that's coming up. Um, you know, obviously a big sports fan and love, you know, so many different types of sports and been playing them since I was a kid. Like, so uh, to get involved with this, which is great, uh, you know, something that really brings the community together and, uh, and so many different people and all walks of life and yeah I saw you so you were like Jared's in secondary school weren't you as well and um, did you have like as you said into Matt loads of sports when you were growing up you pl- did you play other sports as well yeah would have played so Gaelic would have been my first love played Gaelic for years um, you know I'd see myself when I hang up the boots I'd probably go back and play out in Kilmack oh, uh, you know my older brother would have been captain there for years for the, for the men's senior team and um, you know I played there from since I was about probably started off when I was six or seven and then uh, played all the way up till I was about 17 until rugby kind of started mm. being a bit more dominant and probably a bit more important but um, you know through Kilmack Primary School then went on played um, football for Dan Cormac United out there as well so it was a very small knit community mm. a lot of the lads who would play Gaelic would also play in the football team as well so um, you know that and with obviously like in the summer I played tennis and swam and whatever else so I was my poor old mother was uh, busy enough ferrying people <laughs> around uh, different parts of Wicklow and on a Thursday evening to play games and whatever else so um, yeah it was, that was definitely my first love and then it wasn't until Jared's that I, that I picked up rugby ball and took, didn't come around to rugby as quick as I did football like so uh, it took me a few years but I think I got there in the end and did you have the memories because I remember when, when I played football when I was younger um You'd be to be one of you'd basically the, the lads who the dads who gave everyone a lift in the car would be the guys that would get their game as well. Like and, yeah, yeah. But was it a thing where often to be eight or nine of us in a car? It was, surely wasn't legal. Were you in those kind of days? Yeah, there were definitely different times. Like you wouldn't <laughs> yeah. get away with half as much. Uh, yeah, sure. There's six in our family, so we had the the big people carrier. So um, you know, to be eight or nine young lads squeezed into the yeah. back, one or two in the boot, driven down to uh, Carnew or you know Avondale or some you know far gone place down in Wicklow. To play a game so uh, um, no I don't think you get away with that nowadays yeah and then just annoying them for maybe McDonald's or an ice cream or chips something like on the way home yeah yeah yeah, yeah. always abusing mum or dad to stop and pull in the chipper <laughs> and get a few bites of chips for the lads on the way home win lose or draw it was kind of the the saving the saving grace of some of those days those rainy days down in Wicklow um, I was just think, kind of thinking when, when I knew I was going to be chatting to you about two of the times I spoke to you in the last like 12 well actually probably 14 months now or after two different European Cup finals and I remember the happier kind of feeling of being over in Bilbao and everybody buzzing and the medals still around them and you guys all flew back that night to kind of catch up with the the A lads yeah. as well and then again then in Newcastle this year that was a, it was a different vibe but it's kind of but you still I remember you did stop it was tough to get lads to stop but I remember you stopped and chatted to us all yeah it was stark contrast you know mm. and the difference in, in a year um, you know albeit I played probably a, a bigger part in. Uh, this year's European campaign, you know, it didn't last year. Kind of had one or two injuries, so I didn't get to feature as much, uh, especially in the kind of knockout stages. Um, when I kind of came back for the the semi and the oh, was it just the final maybe? Um, but to to be on the pitch in the day in Newcastle and not get the result we wanted was pretty gutting. Like uh, especially just in the way we lost the game, considering how. 
probably better we could have controlled it at times. You know, if we'd gone in a 14-4, uh, I think it was, or, yeah, or yeah. even a 10-4 instead of going in a 10-10, you know, it's a different game altogether. So um, our probably game management wasn't where I needed to be on the day and it probably led to us ultimately um, not winning it. But, you know, in saying that, it, it, it's fantastic to be part of such a, a thriving squad to play in back-to-back -back finals is something really special and not too many people can say they've done it. So, you know, um, I think I do still believe that it's only the start of this uh, success of this Lancer team for so many lads coming through. You know, the, the talent and the depth is really exceptional and, and hopefully we'll get another opportunity now this year to right that wrong and, and go back and, uh, and get, get the win on, on the big stage. And as a player, like to be kind of walking out and, uh, you know, in those kind of mixed zone areas and then anybody can stop you as well, is it sometimes is it the last thing you want to be doing, you know, like, or is it kind of... Um, it's tough to kind of do that kind of stuff as well and kind of get your message across as well. Like, Yeah, I think some lads kind of, I, I, I sometimes quite enjoy it, like obviously depending on, on the result and mm. some lads kind of lean away from it a little bit, mightn't be for them, but um, it, it's it's sometimes tough to do, especially after a difficult loss like that, but it's, um, you know, it's part and parcel of the job and, and you just have to get on, get on with it. And looking back to, as we said, about Gerrard's there as well, before you went on to Belvedere, did you play lock? Is that, that would you kind of, a bit of lock when you were a teenager as yeah, well? Yeah, actually, I actually played a few games at Tidehead. Yeah, as well? Because, uh, so I was probably big for my age when I was, <laughs> you know, 13. So like, I lumped a big lad in the front row. Um, I was terrible. I scored one try <laughs> ever in the first year I played rugby. We were playing, I remember vividly, uh, we were down playing in Gerrard's, playing against Kilkenny. And it kicked off and I caught the ball off the kickoff uh, and ran and scored. And I was like, oh, it's just a bit of crack now. Actually, I have to do this. And after about five minutes, the ref blew the whistle and stopped. He's like, stop, stop, stop. I was like, what's going on here? He was like, you, I was on the, the second, the first year um, B team, I think. Yeah, yeah. And we were playing the Kilkenny A, the A side. So they got in the teams mixed up. So he blew it. I was like, no, no, we have to start again. We have to bring the, the other side, the other pitch was the, the A's and the B's playing against each other. So we had to bring their B team down to us. Oh. So my one and only try was um, disallowed pretty quickly. So <laughs> that was my, uh, that was my, kind of one of my last games at Tie Head Prop, which was pretty bitter to take. But then I got, I kind of hit a bit of growth perk, pushed into the second row and then um, kind of less, I was going to say less hated, it's probably a negative way of putting it, but mm. probably enjoyed it more uh, in second year and third year when I got to move into the back row and wasn't squashed <laughs> into the front row. Like. And you were we were talking about there, um, yeah, the, the idea of like people who play multiple positions as well, loose head, tight head, from like Porter, you were saying you, you spotted him when he was on the show last season, filling the couch up pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he probably took up a bit more of it than I did, but uh, yeah, I just remember with the slick back hair, he was growing out long for metallic at the stage, he had the... The, the textbook kind of uh, porter jeans which are sewn <laughs> onto them and uh, some unbelievably tight uh, medium t-shirt like yeah <laughs> but uh, yeah no he, he looked apart too far I won't slag him off the camera <laughs> um, the whole thing about it was then yeah like because I'm uh, reading up about you as well because I remember when your name came up to me like you know being a, a journalist and reporter covering the kind of the provincial sides and the national sides it was more so you were doing uh, stuff in the, the AIL, like you were kind of pulling up trees there as well. And you, you almost got brought back into the Lancer system because was it you got maybe released after one year of the academy? So I was in, no, so I was in the sub-academy and I didn't initially get into the, back then you could have gone straight into the academy uh, from school. I think they've, they've changed that now and everyone's got to have to manage a year or two before they go in. Mm -hmm. uh, but at that stage, lads were still going straight in. So 
I didn't get the nod to go in, nor did I deserve it now looking back. Yeah. But, uh, and then I picked up a few niggles, a few injuries, and I ended up didn't get initially selected for the Irish under 20s. So I was pretty, you know, good in considering I didn't get into the academy and I was like, mm. right, if I go well in the 20s, I'll hopefully make up and I'll get back in. Uh, so when I initially didn't get into the 20s squad, that was, that was pretty tough to take. But uh, I always said to myself, when I come out of school, if I can just play at the highest level I can, I'll be all right. So for me, you know, I, when I left school, you know, I talked to a few different clubs, but I always knew I wanted to play in the AAL. Uh, and I sat down with Phil Warahigo, who was head coach of Belvoir at the time. And uh, he was for my first year there as well, you know, sat down. Obviously, they had pretty decent back row at the time. Leo Vaha was there. He obviously played with Leinster for a good bit as well. And it was, you know, unbelievable AI player back then. Oh, like yeah, an yeah. unstoppable yeah. man. Um, so he was kind of playing for Leinster and, mm. and Belf at the time. So I said, you know, if I can go and I can learn a bit from him and I can play when he's not around and I can play in the AAL and show that I can handle myself to a good degree at that level, it'll show that I'm more than capable of playing mm. under 20. So... Uh, I went to my first ever game against uh, was against Mary's in the AIL and you remember the uh, France New Zealand uh, World Cup final when Tony Woodcock scored that try down through the, the mm, middle of the line the line yeah, yeah yeah so we had a move like that and I was the guy who's run through the line to catch the ball so I was just off the bench I was like this is my first one I was like brilliant uh, I'm going to catch a ball I'm going to break the line and score a try it'd be great you know first cap for ball whatever else I was playing against uh, a former coach of mine from Jared's, a guy called Damien Hall who played for Ireland clubs a good few times at that stage and he was been playing second round Mary's and uh I got the ball off the top line and I went to run through and he absolutely cut me in half and it was still to this day one of the worst tackles I've ever taken. I was winded, lying on the ground in bits um, and that was my kind of start to the AL and I was like, right, if I can survive this yeah. massive hit and this, comp this kind of uh, level of attrition, I'll be all right. And, uh, you know, I was lucky enough to went on and we, we actually we didn't have a great year now until we barely stayed up but uh, went well, well with Belvo and I put in some good performance and off the back of that, got picked back up by the Irish 20s and went on and played a good bit for them and then through that got into the Leinster Academy in the end so uh, you know I always put a lot of it down to uh, that opportunity that I had in the AAL the, the kind of opportunity that Phil and the rest of the coaches Andy Dunn and Simon Keown and stuff who was mm. playing at that time oh, yeah, still yeah. at Belvo. Um, you know if I hadn't have had that opportunity to play for Belvo, I don't know if I ever would have gone back and get in the 20s and gone back to making the academy so you know, I think uh, the AL is a massively important part of, of Irish rugby and, and grassroots rugby. And uh, I definitely don't think I'd be here today if it wasn't for that. And, and then once you got into the Leinster setup, it was a pretty quick ascension as well. Because then you, like looking back there, even on your, these games you played for Ireland, like that you were in that Scotland game and you were in the kind of World Cup warm-up camp yeah. four years ago as well. So that was like a quick enough rise for you as well. And Yeah, so it probably took me a while to get into the setup, and mm. But once I... I got in, you know, I caught a good few caps pretty quickly. I was fortunate enough, uh, staying injury free, and um, Matty O'Connor was there at the time and, mm. and took a bit of a, a liking towards me and, and gave me um, a lot of opportunities to play. And I went from playing, uh, I think, my second or first year in the academy, I had one cap, and then the next year I went on and played, you know, 20 odd times. So I kind of went from zero to 100 pretty quickly. And, you know, then I got an opportunity with the Irish Wolfhounds against uh, England and, and Stuart Lancaster was the coach of them that day yeah. down in um, Independent Park and then I uh, went had a lovely trip over to Tbilisi for a few weeks uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, at yeah. the end of that season which was uh, a memorable 
few weeks to settle. <laughs> this is emerging like, Ireland, was it? Yeah, emerging yeah. Ireland. Yeah. Uh, we had, uh, I think it was the second day. We were, it was the third or fourth day. It was after our first game, and there was heavy rainfalls, and uh, the local zoo flooded, and all the animals escaped. <laughs> and uh, so then we woke up the next day. We didn't think, and we woke up the next day with pictures plastered all over the paper, and pieces of paper slid underneath the doors, being like, "Be careful, wild animals on the loose." I'm reading this, being like, "This is someone's taking the mic here. Like yeah, this yeah. couldn't be true." But uh, there was, you know, wild hippos. Well, obviously not non-wild hippos. Hippos yeah. running around the streets and alligators and stuff. So, uh, no, that was a pretty memorable experience. But it went from then. I was lucky enough to make the uh, World Cup squad. Uh, got my first cap against Scotland. Unfortunately, didn't make the make the cut to go to England. But uh, you know, learned that it took a lot from those experiences and took a lot from what was needed to to push on to, mm. to play at that level. And and uh, you know, it took me another two years to get my next cap, which was America. Yeah. Uh, away over in the USA, even uh, over in New Jersey, there two years ago. So um, I had to bide my time a while to injuries and obviously selection. So you know, it's been it's been a, since then the last few years have been fantastic, and I've gone on to play you know twelve more times and. Um, you know, had a bit of success with Leinster and Ireland, so it's it's been great. It's been um, great experience and totally enjoyable. And, and then, yeah, like the those two games, and you played over in Japan against against uh, the Red Roses as well, isn't that what they're called? Cherry Blossoms. The Red Roses are England. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think so. Uh, Cherry but Blossoms, all right. I think it could, think be, something could like be something like yeah. that. Yeah, but uh, yeah, playing against those guys, what was it? And the fact, I think you got in those three games, two three tries as well. I think you got two in one of the games, but. Um, the inside, and a lot of you guys who went over there with likes of James Ryan as well, and uh, Joey went over there as well, and a lot of lads who are now hoping is going to be in that squad. So it was a great having been over there to Japan as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's nice to not be going over to this massive unknown. You know, mm. uh, at least culturally, we have some idea what it's like. Um, we were there obviously in early June, so the weather was. You know, it's going to be hotter than it will be in September. Uh, that in itself was a bit of a learning curve and mm. something that, you know, we had to kind of um, get used to. It was, you know, it was unbelievably hot. It was like 90% humidity, even more. Uh, and that's obviously takes its hold on your yeah, rugby. Yeah. So it, it, it takes a while to, to grow accustomed to that. But, you know, the week before when you've been in America, it was, it was pretty hot as well. So it was, um, it was good kind of practice for those for a few weeks in Japan. You know, uh, Joe and, and Simon took um, a very young side over to Japan at that stage obviously the lines was on so mm. a lot of the lads were missing so it was more of a kind of experimental youthful Irish uh, squad that went over you had the lines the likes of uh James Ryan, who'd never played for Leinster and yeah, went played yeah. for Ireland, scored a try, the first touch of the ball uh, against America. Um, you had Porter was there, yeah, Jacob Stockdale, Joey. Uh, he played in the first. Unfortunately, picked up a knock and then went, went home. You know, Ringer was there. There was a few old heads. You know, with Earl Z and and uh, Church and Dave as well, like mm. to kind of uh, round out, to give us a bit more experience. But um, no, that was an incredible experience, and it was my first taste of being on a an Ireland tour and something I thoroughly enjoyed. Yeah. I just remember, yeah, actually, definitely one of those games. Ring was just pinging conversions and penalties from the sideline as well. It's just another thing that he can do. You know, like yeah, he, he does not much he can't do. Really, yeah. to be a few strings as well. Um, but I remember at the time, it was around that time where just as you were kind of even getting your first taste of being with Ireland as well. Um, a lot of the talk then became around like CJ Stander because he was just becoming Irish qualified. But it was after a Heineken Cup game, and you you spoke very well about it and said. Listen, he's he's been here long enough. He's kind of satisfied all the rules. He's qualified, and he is a you know of a standard. And if we if he gets in ahead of us, we're doing something wrong. We have to lift our own standards. It was like it was very good to have a, like a current player coming out and say something like that as well. And um, you know, is that what that kind of thing like for someone like CJ, especially that number eight jersey as well? Is he he's someone that you often then said, okay, well listen, if he's playing at the standard, I have to up my game again, even though I'm playing for a Leinster regularly. 
if, if I want to play for Ireland, I have to up it again. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was after um, Montpellier at home. Um, we just won and got got asked, you know, what I thought of it, and you know, I stand by what I said there in, the, in those statements. And um, you know, CJ's gone gone on and played so many times in green and had fantastic career so far, and he's um, you know been a great servant. Um, but yeah, like you know, he, he kind of he raised the bar a little bit, um, probably in a different mould than, than Jamie was, in a different mould than I am as well. Um, so you know. I don't like to compare us too much because I don't think we have overly similar styles. Mm. You know, CJ's probably a bit more direct than I am. But um, look, he, he, he's been the, the kind of stand-in number eight for Ireland for the last few years and he's, um, he's dominated that position. And, you know, only in the last few months it, through injury did I get uh, an opportunity to play, obviously, when he was he took that knock to the face. And, and uh, you know, now I think I've come to an age and I've put in the performance that I'm, I'm instead of, kind of having to buy my time I think it's it, the time is now and you know have the opportunity to challenge him but you know as you said earlier uh, CJ and myself are, we, we've both slotted into the back row together mm. and played on the same pitch in the same day mm. so it's something that can be done I think it's benefited Ireland in, at times in the past you know whether it was the that last test in Australia mm, uh, yeah. last year we, we went on to get, to get that famous win or you know even not not as famously uh, the last day against Wales we were both on the park when we finished up along with Pete so um, I'm not saying that will happen but it's it's definitely something that could happen uh, and uh, we, we think we have that balance between us um, where we get a good, good all-rounded back row um, and then for yourself even like World Cup memories anything that stands out like watching Ireland or even other games maybe watching the All Blacks run amok at some stage or yeah um, obviously I didn't watch it live but Looking back, you know, obviously the likes you see, you see clips of John Lomu, you know, mm. absolutely tearing it up on, yeah. on the World Cup stage, and um, you know, famous winning drop goals from South Africa and England and, and whatever else, and, and our Irish performances um, over the last few years, um, you know, there's been so many great memories, and, and hopefully, in the next few months, we'll look to push on and do something that no Irish team has, uh, has done before and get into a last four. And what do you do then at the same time as like, because all the eyes are on you guys, especially now it's like the focus is starting to turn back, especially the minute these first like warm up games start as well. But what do you do to get away from everything? Is it you go back home, friends and family, just kind of keep your mind off everything for a few yeah, days? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, I think time outside of rugby, outside of camp is, 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 is always such a short window and it's very important to, you know, to recover and, and relax, but to switch off as well. And I kind of have a real that I try not to bring rugby home here try not yeah. to meet up with my mates and talk about it too much you know obviously you kind of you chat briefly about it and tell them how the week's been whatever but I don't like to go into too much depth or, or, or try to kind of overthink things and talk about it for too long you know so much of life is spent thinking about it and, uh, and you know playing rugby that it's you need the break you need to step away from it, you need to be mentally fresh when you come back into it and I think that's it's tough to do if you, if you constantly worry about it and constantly talk about it so um, you know time away from the game is, uh, is is massively important to me and, and then the whole thing about like let's say you guys probably all knew before you went on your summer break that you're coming back and maybe going to go into pre, like early pre-season as well so can you cut loose or are you kind of like you, did anybody come back maybe like in, in worse shape than they should have like um, <laughs> no I think the majority of the lads you know look after themselves pretty well in the off season um, it's tough though to go from the level we were trying out and the amount of metres you cover and the weight sessions that you do to then peel that all back and nearly go to zero for the first week or two of your, mm. your holidays, you know, and it's, it's necessary to enjoy yourself and not get massively out of shape, but to, you know, 
have the you know slice of pizza have that extra beer or whatever and to, to enjoy it and just be willing and ready to work that extra bit harder to get back into the shape you were obviously you can't afford to let it all go because you'll just be too far behind but um, it, it's definitely a challenge to get that balance right when you're first on holidays between enjoying yourself and I found it quite difficult this year was way my missus in Italy and um, you know the first few days I was like oh, World, Cup, World, World Cup's coming up I, I can't eat that I, yeah, I need yeah. but then after a few days you kind of slowly unwind and you, the holiday mode sets in you can afford to enjoy yourself and just be like look I'll, I'll do what I have to do now to, to relax and recover and then uh, you know if I have to pay the price for it in a few weeks I will but I don't think I, I came back in too bad a shape thank God Well listen what is it, when it's all going on hopefully when sports fest and all is kicking off you're, you'll be over in Japan and it'll be things will just be about starting heating up as well but um, yeah as you said like sports fest is something you're kind of getting behind and it's, it sounds like there's a lot kind of planned for those uh, the whole week isn't it in late September isn't it Yeah absolutely and it's you know uh, it's a great opportunity for so many different people in the community to get out and get active uh, and you know be healthy and there's a the wide variety of things uh, going on uh, for the week so it's going to be exciting times. And the last thing I was going to ask you then was, um, yeah it, it won't happen now but in the next two or three weeks the last person you want to get a phone call now from is Joe Schmidt, do you be screening his phone calls or? <laughs> it'll be <laughs> definitely, if, if I see my phone ringing it'll be one of those things you look at and you're like, <sighs> right I suppose I better have to answer this like so. <laughs> Hopefully, if he rings me, it'll just be for a chat. But, yeah, uh, yeah. Look, it, you know, it's 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 a tough scenario. Not everyone can go, and we're in a highly competitive squad, and the standards so high. Um, you know, no one knows what's going to happen with regards to injury as well. Like certain people, you think might be nailed on, might make mm. it, and, and hopefully we can minimise as many injuries as possible, so we have the healthiest and, and thickest squad we can going over. But um, it's all way to be seen. Well, listen, good luck over the next few weeks and stay healthy, stay safe and stay out of trouble, I suppose, as well. Cheers, thank you. Cheers, Jack. Joe presents Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby, together with Guinness.